What up? I'm Aaron Adams. And I'm Andrew Vasloff. And this is the Musings of Men podcast. The podcast devoted to spreading stoke. All about procuring deep conversations. And providing our personal insight into life, love, and everything in between. Daddy-o. What's good? What's good? What's good? I'm trying to think of an intro. Um... Throw me out the window and call me a toaster. This is Eric Adams coming in with the Music of Men podcast. I'm here with my amigo, Andy. What up? Not a whole lot. What's going on, Eric? Well, this evening we got a special, or whenever you're listening to this, we got a special, you know, episode. We're doing a topic for them. We're doing two podcasts a week. That's right. That's part of the reform, baby. We're doubling, dude. We're doubling down. We're rebranding. We've, dude, in, in, um, in Friday's episode, we'll give you a, a more of a rundown of what's been going on lately and what our plans are and what we're doing. Um, but yeah, so stay tuned for Friday so you can hear all that. But in any case, we're doing two episodes a week. One is topic based and one is just to catch up, just get the ball rolling, you know, spitball, whatever comes out. Yeah. So with that said, Andy, what's this week's topic? This is obscure and strange civil war stories. And there will be Bigfoot. Somehow he managed to put it in people. He you puts know in I Bigfoot. had to. You it's know crazy. I had to. It is crazy. I, if you, okay, if you have been listening this far and you remember the Bigfoot episode, you remember how passionate he got. Legendary. How he it. No, it's true. So, okay, yeah, but it's like, kind of that's <laughs> how you think like that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Go back and listen to that episode. No, we're, but, I, but somehow he's managed to find out that Bigfoot's been in the Civil War, bro. This might just be everywhere. a Confederate that hasn't shaved in like twenty years, bro. Like a hairy dude. That's what I personally think. You think it's a hairy I mean, guy? I think it's a hairy fucking dude. They call him the Wild Man, and guess what? He was in your homestead in New York. He was in my oh, in Lake Placid. Well, up there somewhere. In the Adirondacks. Yeah, I think so. Early oh. 1800s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've there are. No, no, no. This thing, we have our own myth about it up there, mm-hmm. kind of. There's mm-hmm. like people make up stories and stuff. Dude, it's legit. Either way you look at it, um, we'll get into it. But, yeah. you know, we could just, uh, you, know, you know, I don't want to start off with Bigfoot because, you know, we should probably give a little bit of bro. That's cliche. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I actually, I got a good one. Go for it. And I did a little bit of research on this today. And right when the Civil War first broke out, and it broke out all over the world, like news broke out all over the world. And it reached, you know, the uh, African kingdoms, because, you know, they had a postal service and a way of communication. So they found out about the American Civil War. And the King of Siam in 1861 saw this and was like, oh, they're trying to free the slaves, you know, and or they're fighting, you know, the South, which is known for slavery and enslaving some of their, even their own people. And so the King of Siam was like, okay, I got the idea. Let's send them war elephants. Dude, that's sick. So like the King of Siam legitimately wrote to Lincoln, I am here to give you war elephants to use in the Union Army against the Confederacy. Hey, that's awesome. So at some point there was consideration for fucking elephants to be in America and fight in the Civil War. You know they would have gone wild, too. That's the thing, too. There was plans to let them release into America. Dude, imagine if you're just wandering out in the woods and you see a freaking elephant, dude. 
how gnarly would that be? That would actually be sick as shit, though. Because if they were, like, docile, I'd be yeah. like, I'd go up and, like, hug it. Well, I mean, there are more tigers in Texas than there are in the wild, so. That's crazy, bro. Yeah, for sure. So, but, I guess I have, but. All right, what's your next story? All right, so actually, this is kind of interesting. I have a lot of, so both of my grandmothers on both sides of my family are huge in genealogy. And they dug up some crazy stories from back in the Civil War, both on the Union side and on the Confederate side. My mother's side, our, their family is all from, you know, Wilmington going way back. And my dad, you know, he has ancestors in the Union Army. And so we got these two sides and they come together in the end. And, I'll, and that's, that's a really interesting story. But the first story I'd like to tell you is um, one of my ancestors on my dad's side was at the Battle of Gettysburg. And it was, um, he was fighting, he was in the cannon division or whatever. And he, um, the cannon like got broken loose somehow and was started rolling back down the hill. And so he, he jumped on the cannon on top of it and he started to ride the cannon down the hill, which was totally gnarly. Like he was just out here riding the cannon down the hill in the middle of Gettysburg. Cannon's hot. You know, it burned his pants pretty bad, you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that, that, that was just like, and, and he rode it all the way. I don't think he stopped it, but, well, it stopped at some point. It must have. But um, anyway, that was one story that I had from my dad's side of the family that was um, kind of awesome. From, that's from pretty badass. That's, that's like that's like a firsthand account too. Yeah. It's, it's written down. It's so sick. This guy has like a diary or whatever. I want to see this shit, bro. Yeah, no, no. I can, I can get you. I can get you a copy. Yeah. Oh, can I see the real thing though? Yeah, you can see the real thing. Okay. Yeah, because like you know how much I love history. I like, know, dude. You would love this shit. Like, I want you to come over to my grandmother's house. We'll take a little walk. And we'll mosey on over there, and then um, oh, she can dig it up for you, no problem. It's so cool how your family goes back that far in America. It's That's like really cool. We traced our ancestors back to like the 1500s or whatever. Like it was Whoa, crazy. No, no, I into forgot like, about this, man. This is you know, so genealogy in my family is like enormous. So at some point in time, I'm gonna have to bear the burden of carrying on this. You know, this discovering everything. I've discovered, so my grandmothers both have discovered, you know, we're related to like kings in England and like, and like royalty in France or whatever. And what apparently not kidding. And oh gosh, there's some more, there's like, like nobility and stuff. We have relations to, um, and then peasants and, you know, shit people Bro, but. so like your family could have had major power struggles in all the revolutions that is very and all the major shit in europe that's very possible yes oh king of um what was it it was somewhere in turkey or it was somewhere in that region we had like we were i, I think it was debunked but we were like related to we were supposedly related to like a famous like king or whatever but we also have ancestors who were pirates in the caribbean way back which is pretty cool at you know yeah, but they were like creepy people man dude no for sure those guys were they were in the barbados and somewhere in bermuda um and so that's that's part of my lineage which is pretty sick yeah, um and gosh you know now i think about it like um like my namesake 
then my, the name Eric came from my dad's side of the family. My great, great, great grandfather who came over from England like long ago, you know, and he was Oscar Eric. And then it was my grandfather, William Eric, and then Scott Eric, and now James Eric. And it's pretty, I mean, it, it goes way back, but like, dude, I mean. So like, you're carrying like a major fucking bloodline. It's a, it's a, I mean, I got some good genetics. So ladies, come on, her out. So, like, if you knocked up a girl, you would literally give them, like, the air to a fucking throne. Special powers, yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, I did not know you had that much power, man. No, it's 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 unreal. I mean, I'm just a surfer, dude, at the end of the day. But, I mean, yeah, in my oh. it's somewhere in my line. We do have royalty, which is pretty sick. That's really good guess. Though. Yeah. And, like, all over England and, like, the UK, we got, like, people running around you know old ancient folks and all in all in europe i mean you probably look at me and think oh freaking uh switzerland and i'm like yeah, yeah. that's it um we, yeah. we're like we're a lot swiss too um so yeah. it's 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 pretty cool yeah. but dude my family lineage is like and that's only one side like i'm pretty sure my grandfather sherwood i think he just crawled out of the sea to be honest I mean, <laughs> dude, you know, you know what I learned recently about my heritage, dude. What did you learn? Do you know what the Balkan Wars are? Um, I've heard of them. So the Balkan Wars was between nineteen eleven. I think it was nineteen eleven and nineteen thirteen. It was two separate conflicts. One was between the Turkish, Turkish, the Greeks, and the Balkans, with Macedonia in the middle. That's important <laughs> to remember. Macedonia was right smack in the middle of all that. Macedonia joined up with the Greeks because of, you know, old ties and whatnot. And just, that was their natural ally. And then, so they attack together and they win the war and fight off the Ottoman Empire. And then all of a sudden, everything's at a standstill because there's no more empire. So like, how do we rule ourselves? Macedonia was like, okay, we're going to start trying to do our own thing. Thank you for helping us out. And then they try to do their own thing. And then Greek and Bulgaria were like, nope. And then they start fighting over Macedonia. And then this is where my great grandfather comes in. He fought in the first Balkan War as a volunteer. And then in the second war, he fought as a guerrilla fighter, killing both Greek and Balkan soldiers. Gnarly. And then <clears throat> after they figured out what was going on, the Greeks and Bulgarians were looking for his like cell or whatever. So then he moses on to England, gets a fake ID, immigrates to Canada, and then illegally comes into America, into Ohio, and then becomes a uh, organized crime <laughs> a lieutenant. Nice. That's awesome, dude. Wow. I mean, what a story. Like, he really it's just found a way. True, it's a tried and true immigrant story, bro. That's really cool. Like, he just he, he found his way to America. That's sick. Through war and like lying and deceit. <laughs> well, he made it, didn't he? Yeah, he that's made it to America and he provided for his family. And that's what's important. That's right. Protect and provide. Amen. Yeah. Um, nice. That's sick. And then past that, we're just a bunch of like, it's just a bunch of slob. And, like, <laughs> we're all just Greek, bro. <laughs> we're all just Greek. That's hilarious. Well, I mean, it's, it's Greek and Macedonian. Yeah, for sure. Proud Macedonian over there. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, 
do you have another uh, story? Because I've got two more of I got, my. Um, I got a couple more. I'll go, go for it. Yeah. So during the battle of battle at uh, Sauter's Field in 1863, they you know fixed bayonets and fit the charge, and then you know there was um, hidey holes under each of the battlefields. And they crawled out and these two men, these two scouts saw each other. They started fist fighting in the middle of the field and they're just beating the absolute hell out of each other. And then all the men are like slowly, like, like stopping and then just turning and looking at the fight, both the union and Confederate. So it's like, side by side for like a solid five minutes wow. of them just standing still and watching these two men beat the shit out of each other. And some of them were cheering on one side and some of them were cheering on the other. <laughs> really whack. And they're like, huh, we can enjoy a good fight. And then all of a sudden they ended it and they declared a winner. And then it was like, oh, yep, go back. And then they just killed Oh, them. wow. And then it was like, how automated is that? How That's so that? crazy. That you, return, that you return that quickly to the enemy. It's, you know, and it's almost it's like... Because like, you experience a human connection like that during yeah. a time like that. And it's and like it's you didn't. Wrong. It wasn't even your your will to really fight these people, these this yeah. other side, you know. But yet you did it, um, you know, because you wanted to in the end. But when you you come face to face to them, it's like, look, they're just another person. I mean, the fact that they stopped everything that they were doing, like just to, just to watch these two men fight it out, because it wasn't true. like a case of war. It was entertainment for them. Mm-hmm. Like it was like this was like a special. That's wild. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Declare the winner. And they're like, damn. All right, carry <laughs> on. It's like, yep. That's wild, dude. Imagine if we were in the Civil War, man. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> All right. So, like, were... okay. So, imagine like air with super short hair, me with moderately short hair, and then we're in the Civil War. What if we were like soldiers on the front line? Dude, you know, I got to take the side of my heritage and you yours. <laughs> yeah, the union. What would you do if you met me on the battlefield? Oh, good. Uh, so, so what I would I in this hypothetical situation, would I have known you before? Yes. That's oh, shit. Before. So we're best friends already. Yeah, and like, exactly. But we get oh, torn apart no. by ideologies. Oh, no. You know, I, I know you're not really a racist. You just got to follow up what you're, you know, because you've seen yeah. more to the culture than what everyone else sees. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, I'm just at this point in this, in the war, I'm just fighting for my, for my state, you know? Yeah. Okay. I got I'm you. like, yeah, great state of South Carolina, you know, <laughs> yeah, but like, like protect the homeland basically. And yeah. then I meet you on the battlefield somewhere in, in like the middle of nowhere. And I see you and I'm like, there's no fucking way. There, yeah. there's, there's, there's no, no way. way he's still alive. There's no way. And he's then still and alive. like, I stop and then you stop. And then like you yeah. see me and you're and, and I'm like, oh shit, what do you do next? What would I do? Yeah. I would like I would back away and be like, <laughs> no, no, no. I would like probably like make sure you know that I couldn't really like use my gun. Right. Yeah. Be like, it's I would, like, like I'd be like, I'm, I'm like, I'd like de like make sure I couldn't fire it. Mm-hmm. And then just be like, I'm good. Yeah, I would and then just gonna like be like, see ya. And then <laughs> it's like, I'll I feel would, like 
I wish I hope you survive. Like I don't know. Like I don't know what I would say to you if I. Could. I would. I would go up to you. I'd be like, "Bro, come with me," and I'd be like, "Dude, what's up?" <laughs> oh man, I made my rumors radical, bro. I wouldn't. I would be like, I would disarm my weapon, and then I would like say, "What's up?" Oh, uh, oh, if we're going with like the happy hypothetical situation. I would um, throw my guns on the ground and just be like, yo, what's up, bro? Yeah, for sure. But I think if we were in the heat of war, like, and, and bullets are flying everywhere, I'd be like, there's no fucking way, dude. Like, what's going on, man? Yeah, I'd be like, hey, man, I'm not going to shoot you. Yeah, I'd be like, I'm not going like, to shoot please, you. Go back to your family. Great to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you. I hope to see you again one day. I'll telegram you later. Yeah. <laughs> and then right as that, a mortar shell hits my position, and then I get Oh. I couldn't live if that was the case. I'd be like, well, shit. We should have a Civil War drawing together, Eric. Dude, absolutely. That would be so sick. Music. We should have started a Musings of Men uh, film company. Oh, dude, I'd be down. How do we... We just need to find out filmmakers, bro. Right. We should do that. And then we can, like, what would we do? Like, sponsor their work or whatever? Yeah, we could do that. Okay. Shout outs and maybe, you know. That would be legit. I would I would love to hook up with some creators and make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. So us in the Civil War. Yeah. I got a story. And this is something from, and you you were gonna find this interesting because it's another written account that's in my family, but this is on my mother's side. And so um my great ancestor from way back, he was in the confederate army in wilmington and he was stationed at cape fear and he bought this brand new coat for the war he was like this is my war coat and it was really expensive and so it was like the first like couple days that he had it and he was sitting by the fire and you know he's just chilling there you know it's all legit he's hanging with his bud eating hardtack or whatever and all of a sudden, his coat catches on fire. It's brand new coat catches on fire. Right. And it burns like mostly up. And he was like, well, goddamn, I've spent all this money on this coat. I'm going to wear it. And so he wears it for like years after that. And um, wow. yeah, so he was devoted to his coat. But yeah, that's another written account that you might want to take a look at. It's a really interesting story. But that's just the basic premise of it. Is the coat still around? I don't know. I would, I would probably, I mean, I don't know. I, I would hope so. Floating around somewhere. Oh, that'd be really interesting to find. It would be so sick to find. Be like, this is a coat. Be like, bro. We would, I would hang that up in like our office or whatever. Yeah. That, the musings of men. That'd be so yeah. That'd be bro, so if we ever have like a location, uh-huh. you know that's going up. Oh no, that'd be really sick. Yeah. That's like he, a bad he's that's a bad motherfucker, actually. Yeah, he was like, Yeah, I bought this brand new coat, it got burned up. I'm still wearing it. Whatever. Yeah. No, I I yeah. Confederate, yeah, but like I can respect a man with will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. Sweet. And a lot of these guys, you know, to in all factuality they were poor farmers not even farmers just poor folk who were fighting for their states at the end of the day and it was it was the rich dudes who were sponsoring the war you know who really were like pro-slavery which was you know totally not good obviously 
Um, but ma uh, the majority of the, the people who were fighting on the Confederate side were so poor that they couldn't afford a slave at all. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, completely, just totally backwards, messed up, horrible practice. But um, that's an interesting fact that I learned. Um, I learned that a couple of years ago, but yeah, about the Confederate Army and then what made them up. And apparently, the the Union Army was pretty diverse too. They had they had like women who were like pulling the Mulan and going in there. Well, no, no, no. Like, so that Union, was crazy. So what you have to understand about the Union Army is that we had immigrants coming in. So we had Irish, German folk coming into New York. And you had free, um, free African-American. Free African-Americans. Yeah. We already had the nativists. And it was like such a diverse group. And it was so many different fighting styles and so many different prides. Because when you stuck all these people into the same battalions, they all fight harder together because they're all fighting for, to like honor their home. And it was the first emergence of like guerrilla warfare too. Using yeah, no, it was some wild shit too. Like, yeah, there's a there's like a military saying that goes like our war tactics are like one war behind. So say in like the Gulf War or whatever in the '90s, like their war tactics and equipment was the same as it was in the Vietnam War. Like uh, that's that, and it, it kind of like does that where it's kind of you know, maybe even a couple of decades behind and some, so they were still fighting in the style of like the revolutionary where we like line up and it's all like formal or whatever. And you just basically line up to die, which is, yeah. I mean, that's a really foul practice. If you think about it, that's not really great for survival, you know, at the end of the day, but yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of, that's kind of a fun fact though. Like how the wars are, you know, yeah. how they change over time. Yeah. You got another one before I launch into Bigfoot? <laughs> or right. I have another one after this that it's another one. a family one. All right. So in the Confederate South, there was a place called Elmira Prison. And it was about, or no, wait, Elmira. Elmira was a northern prison. Yeah, that's right. Elmira was a northern prison, and it was like brutalizing Confederate soldiers. Mm -hmm. And it housed twice as many as it was supposed to hold. So it was like crammed to pack people. So like it was torture, basically. Mm -hmm. And then some would, um, you know, people would come and see this because they wanted to go see the Johnny boys get punished or whatever. And they would pay money to see these guys get stacked up and they would like sometimes like get money from them and beg and people like throw shit at them. And, you know, it was oh, wow. like, yeah, it was some pretty hard shit. That's like, that's cruel, bro. Yeah, that was a union. Yeah, that's right. I, I don't know why I thought Elmira was something. Elmira was, uh, was a union prison camp for Confederates. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Um, oh, how about this another scenario? What if, like, I was captured and I was, like, brought my, my hypothetical Confederate self 
was like brought to this prison and like you were a prison guard like what would, and we were like best friends before and everything like what would you do would you bust me out i would get you i'm trying to get you out <laughs> i would see you in there i'd be like fuck that and i would like <laughs> when it would go dark i would like get you out and be like okay here's a gun food leave and then i would go back to my post what a legend what a guy Major yeah, you survived the rest of the war yeah i would tell i'll telegram you later that yeah. i would do the same for you if you're in prison i'd be like bro you ain't staying here that's for damn sure i appreciate that yeah definitely <laughs> Oh, this so this is like the fi- my final family story from the war that I could think of today. Um, right. So this is actually really interesting. So at at um, what was it Appomattox Courthouse? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was like the end of the war. I've been to Appomattox, and there was like a Civil War reenactment there that was really cool, like the reenactment of the surrender and everything. It was really neat. Which you know, if you're playing a Civil War reenactor, why would you want to play the losing side? I don't know. But um, anyway, my so ancestors from my mother's side and my father's side were like direct genetic lines were both there at Appomattox. And there's an account of this, too, in both histories, both family histories. And my mother's side, the ancestor on that side surrendered to my father's side of the family at Appomattox Courthouse that was so cool to me and that was that was really crazy and another interesting thing abraham lincoln so the the song dixie which is like the anthem or whatever that's actually a northern song and it happened to be abraham lincoln's favorite one of his favorite tunes actually and at appomattox courthouse when the confederates surrendered to him he was like yo homeboys play the tune and they rocked out to dixie it was sick interesting <laughs> yeah that's really cool. cool yeah link was a cool dude dude he was a chill guy for sure that's good that's cool to hear yeah so you know you know if 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 you know if there's a historical event involved I'm going to be interested in the Bigfoot portion of the show. I got to know. All right. And, you know, the Civil War is no exception. I got to know if Bigfoot, you know, if he fought in the Civil War, was he around? Like, were people seeing him? Obviously, they were because he's been around forever, dude. So, you know, and, and Andy, this goes back, like, you know, to upstate New York, you know, your homeland. Yeah. And oh, so, by the 1800s, newspapers in the U.S. were, you know, dedicating spaces on the front pages of their newspapers to firsthand accounts of wild men, dude, in upstate New York. Because it and, was dumb people that never came down to civilization. Well, dude, it's like, I mean, they're, they're out there. And it's like the, far, the more that people encroach on their territory, the more settings there are going to be. That's, you know, the law of nature. But in September of 1818, this is pre-Civil War, but still around the same time. Um, so, you know where Ellisburg is? Yeah. It's, it's a small town. It's yeah. near the Canadian border. I know. Mm-hmm. And so a, a uh, quote, gentleman of unquestionable veracity 
claimed to have seen a man covered in hair dashing through the woods. It was described as bending forwards as it ran and was solid and was said to have left behind footprints characterized by narrow heel and spread apart toes. After the news of the encounter was published, a massive search to find the creature ensued and hundreds of residents turned up to track it down without luck. However, during the summer, um, the summer of 1869, so like a couple years after the Civil War, a wild man was spotted, I think in rural Pennsylvania, and it was it made shrieking sounds as it raced through the countryside. And eyewitnesses said it moved with springing, jerking movements and had a very wide gait um, and had the appearance of a cross between like an animal and a human, which is super legit. Um, one man got a close up view. And he said, the long matted hair, thick black, uncombed beard, the wild glaring bloodshot eyes, which seemed bursting from their sockets, the swage, haggard, unearthly um, existence of this being, this beastly appearance of this thing, whether man or animal has haunted me. That's from the Evening Gazette in 69, dude. Um, so later that year, the wild man was observed munching on minnows in a nearby creek, one mile south of the uh, sighting location near the Canadian border. Oh, this is still in New York. Um, so, dummy, brah. That's, that's pretty convincing, dude. I don't know. And I have another account. This is my final account. Um, so this was... So even as the country had become further divided, inching closer and closer to Civil War, wild men sightings didn't stop. One of the best preserved accounts of early Bigfoot encounters happened in Arkansas and was published in a Memphis Enquirer on May 9th, 1851. So this is like a couple years before the war. So during March of last year, Mr. Hamilton of Greene County, Arkansas, while out hunting, in, uh, out hunting with an acquaintance, observed a drove of cattle in a state of apparent alarm, evidently pursued by something, you know, a dreaded enemy of sorts. Halting for the purpose, they soon discovered as the animals fled by them that they were followed by an animal bearing unmistakable likeness to a human. Kind of strange. He was a gigantic structure, a body being covered with hair and you know, the head and long locks, you know, that fairly enveloped his neck and his shoulders. The, quote, wild man, for we must call him, after looking at them deliberately for a short time. For a short time. So the wild man, like, saw them and was like, yo, what up? He turned and ran away with great speed, leaping 12 to 14 feet at a time. His footprints, which were found and documented, measured 13 inches. This singular creature has been, you know, known traditionally in St. Francis Green um, and surrounding counties in Arkansas. Sportsmen, you know, hunters having described him as long as 17 years since that incident. So anyway, dude, like, you know, I have to research Bigfoot. And that's what I found, dude. So Oh, I have a, okay. I have a good one. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking through my stuff. Um, Go for it. 
So in 18, this is actually really wholesome. In 1864, this was um, somewhere in Virginia. This was the Tennessee and Virginia uh, divisions of the army. And about five inches of snow had fallen on the ground, um, you know, the night before. And so they all wake up to this and he, um, you know, so these guys, you know, obviously like it's, you know, with it being 1864, like, you know, these guys are tired. They just want to go home. Like they don't want to be there anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so they take this and they're not, you know, like this wasn't preemptive of a battle. I don't think. So, you know, they're like, oh, let's have a little fun. So, you know, this like entire battalion of like battle, you know, worn like veterans put down their guns and they just start throwing snowballs at each other. Oh, that's awesome. You know, and it was like, and everyone was involved in it. It was like, you know, the, um, you know, everything from like, you know, just regular cavalry men to like dudes on horseback were like, you know, taking their handkerchiefs full of snow and like throwing it at the men and the drummer boys were all like playing with each other. And, you know, it was like this moment of like just really pure and wholesome joy. That's great. And, you know, it was like, I don't know. It was, uh, it was interesting. Like, yeah, that you know, sounds it's, really uh, fun. It's, it's a neat st- yeah and like they even um did like you know to like kind of mess around like they did um they like you know how like they would stand like in line mm-hmm. and like you know shoot because that was still some of the tactics they right. were using by them um you know or even I, that wasn't even really a tactic that was more just like you know it was kind of like this known by then as kind of like an outdated thing so literally like they would do things like how they did in the revolution where they would stand like <laughs> shoulder to shoulder in front of each other and just throw snowballs at each other and pelt the shit out of each other that's crazy and it's really it was just it's it's wholesome because it's like you think of like you know these guys like they've probably bashed people's heads in with rocks and yeah you know killed their own like you know countrymen and all that and it's like you know now they're just a bunch of men just having fun and having a snowball fight that's so fun although if i woke up to five inches of snow i would probably be really pissed but <laughs> i would love it man. yeah but, uh, yeah. yeah that sounds like a that sounds like know. a good time as far as i know they didn't try to like load ice balls into their muskets and try and kill the union so yeah. right yeah you know. although didn't they use um i forget where but i heard something about a while ago about like an ice cannon or something like that. they had a bunch of ice and they like made a legitimate cannon out of it that was like a that, i've heard about that that was like a prototype and mm. it didn't really work because the cannon got like too hot and it just kind right, of melted of the course. ammunition as it would um you know yeah although i, I don't know there's they, like a bunch there's a bunch of like really weird weapons from the civil war yeah i mean the fact that people were still like stabbing each other with bayonets is oh yeah i mean they still me, like you know? this was the first war where like they didn't just line up and shoot at each other guerrilla warfare and you know like yeah like what we know is like a typical battle today like like it started know, back then kind of you know that was like not the first modern war because they're still using swords, but they were, yeah. you know, they it was advanced for the time. Yeah, for sure. What else you got? Because I, I kind of ran through most of what I had. Yeah, um, it was actually pretty famous. There was a famous Confederate story kind of going with the winter theme. Um, 
there was to try and rally against the union, especially like trying to appeal to the youth. Because obviously they use like propaganda and they're like, oh, these blue belly sons of bitches are trying to take our state or rights or whatever crap. And, you know, for the kids, since they didn't really understand politics, they're like, okay, what's something that's going to get them to like hate the union? Mm. So they basically said that, you know, due to the fact that the, the Confederacy pretty much from when it started was going through financial hardships, and you know they couldn't really afford to celebrate holidays so they basically told the union that um a bunch of uh blue belly soldiers killed santa claus oh no so basically they just they told you know every time a kid would be like oh like mama and daddy why aren't we getting presents this year why ain't i getting my first musket (laughs) and they'll be like well son the thing is those damn Yankees, they killed Santa Claus and his eight little reindeer, so we ain't getting Christmas no more. So That's until we win, Santa Claus ain't coming back. <laughs> you know, so like they basically tell these like poor kids, like, yeah, like Aww. Santa Claus is basically dead and That's so sad. You know, and it's like That's tragic. You know. Ugh. I mean that, that must that must have really been hard. Well yeah, imagine you're like a five year old kid and it's like, yeah. oh why don't I get presents this year? And it's like, oh yeah, the enemy killed Fucking Santa yeah, Claus. and bro, they would hate the union if it'd be like, you kill Santa Claus, by God. Like, what the fuck is this bullshit? Yeah, that would be, uh, I would be pissed. There's no doubt. <laughs> oh, yeah, if I was like eight years old and I'm like, I'm not getting a Christmas because of those bastards, shit. Yeah, would not be <coughs> ideal, but fuck. I do remember. Oh, uh, do you want to know another one? Yeah. There's another yeah. story. An entire university from Mississippi. An entire like class, like I think it was like a freshman or sophomore class from the University of. It was called the Mississippi Eleventh. A hundred and thirty-nine of them signed up, and guess how many came home? None. None. Damn. Every single one of those guys was killed. That's crazy, bro. Imagine, like, imagine if we were like how. Imagine if we were back in that day, we were college kids mm-hmm. and we sign up with all of our friends thinking, oh, we're going to go defend our homeland. We're going to defend, you know, like, obviously I would be the union and you'd fight for the home states. Like, mm-hmm. you know, imagine like having Defending that mindset the homeland like, either way. Yeah. And like, you know, you had this like promising to, you know, future of like going to school. Shit with my with my with my college friends and everybody here, if they signed up, it wouldn't last a damn minute. Except for yeah. Pete, he would he would for sure beat everybody. But yeah, no. I mean, yeah, but like, imagine being a part of like you and 138 other motherfuckers that were like that'd be crazy, and then you all just die. Like that'd be uh, like, really disappointing. Like, and when I say none of them made it back, it wasn't like oh, like some of them lost limbs or no, oh, like some none of them, of them. no, like they all ended up in the ground by the end of the war. That's crazy. Like, I mean, it was a bloodiest war in American history. There's, I mean, that's. Oh yeah, no, I mean, it, it, yeah, it killed more Americans than every uh, other war. Yeah, combined. Even. Yeah, that which is crazy, but fuck, I mean, I you know there so okay. Remember four years ago, tensions were running hot, like really hot. So 2018, yeah, this was right after the Charlottesville rallies. People legitimately thought 
that we were going to have another. So like that, they thought that was it. Like we're going to have another civil war. And people still think we're going to have. They still think that. I think tensions have cooled a little bit, but there's so so much things we need to do just to get past that. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have been mostly a a war over like neo confederates. Like I don't think we would see another confederacy. Like you would would see. No, it would be more like militant groups mm-hmm. that Going around defend the Confederate flag. And it's like, you know, they'd it, be but terrorists. It, it's not even about the Confederate flag. It's about this super far right ideology. Almost. Yeah, and, too. And that's that's the problem with like, mm-hmm. you know. But um, there's also a super far left ideology that's equally as as horrendous. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And, they, and um, so the Antifa. And yeah, like, Antifa. I'm pro. Too. You'll hear liberals say, oh, yeah, like, I'm not pro-gun. Then there are the ones that have more in tie with like radical liberalism, mm-hmm. and they're not afraid. Like if they're given the opportunity, they're going to answer the call and start killing it. Exactly. And the problem is, you know, there's there's just too much. There's too much of of, of that to have. There's too much radicalism. There's like, way the too thing. much radicalism, and people are so people are tribal, and we will attach yeah. ourselves to an ideology because. That's what we can identify with. We want to be accepted by a group. We it's want a to be accepted by it is a sense of belonging, exactly. And so we will go out of our way to appease that group at whatever cost, you know, than to be accepted like into the club, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of fucked up, really. But that's just the way that we're wired biologically, like, you know. Yeah. And this thing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with groups arming themselves and willing to defend themselves. Well, of course. But, the, but when they want to go out of their way and start a radical revolution that will end in nothing but bloodshed and loss, and they know that. that's when, in the end, that's when it'll become a problem. Well, that's a there's nothing story. wrong with wanting to bring about change on yeah. both, you know, but right you wing and left wing politics. Civilly, dude, you cannot. You have to because people. otherwise, you know, because that's the thing. I learned about this, like you know, and I, I learned about this in history, the uh, other day because we talked about the rise of fascism. And, you know, during the 20s and 30s. And that's the thing. These radical thoughts brought about good change in the beginning. But then you look to, you know, like the Soviet Union and fascist Italy and, you know, Nazi Germany. Like, they ended up almost, you know, hurting their own. They hurt their own people. Yeah. Like, the thing is with the Soviet Union, and this is for any communist listening, I really want people to take this into consideration. While this was not intentional, and this is why Stalin was never really put on like the same like hateful um, level as Hitler, but like the Soviet Union almost committed genocide against the Ukrainian people because well, it, during it the famine did. of nineteen thirty, I mean that's the thing during the famine of nineteen thirty two, about six to eight million people died because they starved to because the government didn't provide aid right and so and that's the thing too and these guys you know and with the soviet union they were hoping for like a world revolution and that all countries in the world would become socialist obviously that didn't happen and that's the thing with this radical thought it just dug themselves in a hole and it made them go you know from like relying on everyone else to get on the same level as them to trying to survive and when you put a country like that in a fight or flight mode they are going to choose flight, but they're also going to choose fight to get their goals across. They're going to use very violent and depressing methods. To- Although, did you hear the um, the president of Ukraine? He had this legendary quote, and this will be my quote of the week. But he said, 
don't give me a ride. Give me some ammunition. Oh, yeah. I really yeah, hope that's it. true. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too. Truth be told, like, if NATO and, like, you know, things were like how they, like, if our political landscape looked how it was, like, even 100 years ago, Russia would have steamrolled. Oh, 100%. But the Ukraine's not a part of NATO. That was one of the big issues why Russia invaded them, because they didn't want them to join NATO. Yeah, but that's the thing. As soon as, you know, NATO starts getting threatened, and then, you know, and that's the thing. They were slated to um, join, I think it was both the EU and NATO. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. If with the EU, with them being denied, you know, being an ally in the EU, they don't have like really the backing or support. They are getting support, but they exactly. don't have as much as right. they could be if they were a part of the EU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's. That's an know, issue it's, they it, have to, to. They were going to address that, I believe. Yeah. And then and then Russia invaded and, then, and it was yeah. like, no yeah. bueno. And uh-huh. that's the thing, too, is like, like, how do you view the Russian Ukrainian thing? Do you think <sighs> it's good that we're staying out of it or do you think we should be involved? Here, so, okay. Here's my, here's my philosophy on international affairs um granted i don't think about it a lot so there's probably a lot of there is i'm willing to say there is a lot of room for development in this area of my life so in this area of my thinking but with that said so with with nato like an attack on one is an attack on all okay there's an agreement there but ukraine's not a part of nato and not part of the eu and people are going to think I'm some kind of non-compassionate cuck, but that's not the case. Um, I personally feel like if I'm, te- I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to say that the U.S. should just stay out of it because it's not a United States problem. Exactly. It's really not. And that's that's my view on it is that, you know, this doesn't involve us. This is not about us. Yes, the news can, you know, play on everybody's heartstrings about anything that goes on there, sure. And if people want to help in whatever they, they, way that they can, you know, sending supplies, sending, you know, money, whatever, which, you know, who knows, what that money that, really, yeah. who knows what that money's really doing. But at the end of the day, we have to worry about ourselves as a nation because we got exactly. enough problems here. We don't need to be worried. And here's our major problem the, with my, my biggest beef with the U.S. is that we always think that we're the world's police. You know? Exactly. Exactly. We do not need to do that. Exactly. I am, I'm against the United States being the world's police because I know that. So if you take a country, I believe it was one of the Nordic countries. They focused inward on themselves, and now they're like the best country in the world. I think it was either Norway or Sweden, and now they're the best country Finland. in the world because it was Finland, Finland, right? Finland. Because Finland as well focused yeah. on their problems and they solve their problems. We're not. We're ignoring every exactly. single problem that we have. So in that case, how in you know how in tarnation do you expect us to go and solve that other the world's problems? Like that's not okay. We need to. Yeah, focus it's on like our you know, knowing it's home. like. It's kind of like, you know, when a bad relationship goes wrong, it's like they know they probably should not go out and, you know, put themselves in other people's shoes and try to help them when they themselves cannot be helped. Exactly. If you can't help yourself, you can't help anybody else. Exactly. And it's like, you know, and it's like, okay, it's good that we're imposing sanctions. Sure, it's making our gas prices go up and it breaks my heart every time I have to fill up my fucking car. But it's like we don't need to be the babysitter for the entire world. And unfortunately we have built ourselves up like that. 
We, we have put and we... so much money into our military, and we never actually use a ton of our shit. But it's with the expectation that whenever there is a conflict, we need to make ourselves involved. Mm-hmm. The way I see it, Russia and Ukraine—that is a European problem. Yeah, let them fight it out. Those are Europeans. No Americans are involved in that. We didn't make Russia invade. That is a that like that conflict has so much ties going back hundreds of years that we didn't even exist when they were having exactly wars and it's like it's really not our place to be involved it's not our place to be involved i mean i was i was at first i was a little apprehensive to say it because i know everybody's like oh support ukraine it's like sure yeah you can support them but the u.s does the government does not need to be involved no it doesn't i mean not at all and and they're holding their own as it is like they are and they're doing a damn good job yeah and that's the thing too russia's demoralized those guys don't Mm -hmm. want to be there I mean, there are videos of them literally sitting around and like, hmm, yeah, like now what? Maybe this is kind of fucked up. I just want to go home to my wife and kids. Like exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's exactly it. You know, and I think that like, yeah, we should not be involved in foreign. Now, the problem is we've made ourselves involved in other, you know, other countries business because we have interests there, like say oil or say, you know, any other natural resource or any other, you know, yeah, financial anything interest. that we don't have, we have interest in other countries. Exactly. Due to the fact of exactly. We can't supply it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I honestly believe that if we stopped relying on, you know, other countries for oil, for you know, goods and 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 other stuff like that, like we stopped relying on China, and we stopped relying on the Middle East and Colombia for gas, we and we could pump our own, you you know, U.S. made gas that would be the most ideal situation now problem is simple economics it's cheaper to do things overseas but if you but pump, str- if you pump the money back into you know, your local economy you're gonna see the the, the positive exactly impact that and like and that's the thing if we bring back jobs from what you know like mm-hmm. the jobs that we gave away to, ch- the, to the chinese and all these overseas in the mexico they're, op- they're making cars in mexico now because yeah cheaper. and it's like why because yeah. like if you think about it, it's just decreasing our economic output and yeah, and that's demoralizing. Give more people jobs, exactly. and then those people in turn have more money to put back into the economy, and then and then all of a sudden everything strengthen our economy as a whole, and then provide for the rest of the world. Exactly. Like that's why all of the products that you know we might make through the musings of men and all the narbars, like it's going to be made in America. It's going to be USA. Yeah. And I, you know, I fucking love the USA. I don't care what you say. You know, I'm patriotic as hell and I will be because I love this country because this country allows people, allows everyday people to rise up and to become what they know they can be and what they want to be. It provides the, you know, the stable grounds for ambition to grow and to become something, you know, and that's what I love about this country. Yeah. I mean, I can't say I exactly hold the same views, but like I have the opinion that, you know, to help people out as much as we can and to give people the opportunity to make money, we can keep things local. Or I agree with that. No, I'm 100% on board. Yeah, with and that. it's like, you know, that's, providing no, opportunity yeah. to your own people. Like, that, yeah, that's, you know, that's it's like top tier. Yeah, exactly. And like more of my loyalty extends to just like the working people that want to make exactly. money, that have to, like, that mm-hmm. our business could give them the ability to thrive and survive. And it's I want to like, do that. You know, I feel, yeah, exactly. And it's like, we don't need to be putting money into some overseas, you know, conglomerate of like, no, you know, USA. they have 
like a hundred hundred other guys like us making a fuck ton of money and it's like yeah we don't need to do that we can just no. you know We're it might be a little bit more expensive but that's the other thing too if you actually look around it is not that expensive to produce in the u.s no you just not. have to look and you it's have just to, the you fact have to that overseas is yeah. more readily available that's right. or it's more apparent mm-hmm. i'm dude everything that you said i am 100 percent on board with 100% like we need yeah, to make everything like, in the US we need to rely on ourselves and through that we can we can support man. exactly we can give jobs to people who don't have and we can support you know people to have decent you know well good wages you know so good that we wages, can yeah. so like that we can, can actually this. so that they can build themselves up so that they can provide a stable environment you know for themselves to grow and develop and that's why i honestly think if we ever make this much money that i want to start people off at 70k a year I want to start start them off at that, you know, and then I want to. And that's the thing, and we can do that once we build mm-hmm. ourselves up. Exactly, and we can like give people like good, hardworking people, no matter right. where the yeah. hell they come from or who they are, the opportunity to. And it's like, you know, we'll all be you know equal, and we'll all just hold each other to the same standard of like, if you work hard, you will see the you know reap of your you will and reap the reward. That's the you American know, dream. Like, yeah, and it's like, and that's what know, I believe in fully. That's what yeah. that's what we need to do. I'm 100 percent with you, bro. Yeah, and it's like, you know, our, our like opinions on how this can be done come from different areas, but it's the same thought mm-hmm. process. It's, it's the same thought, thought process yeah. of wanting to have a sense of unity and working hard together to make a better future for ourselves. Yeah, no doubt. You know, and it's like you know, and providing opportunity for people because that's the thing. The lack of opportunity is obviously what's going to deter people from wanting to you know help yeah benefit you know benefit themselves and benefit other people and it's like if we give that opportunity and realize hey you can you know provide a really good life for yourself and then also help out other people you know that you can't exactly really go wrong with what that. i, and it's I like, mean helping other people out is i mean it almost feels selfish sometimes yeah you know? exactly which is a great thing yeah and it's like like find something it, more rewarding exactly and like you know and we can do that with this and, and that's what i want to do 100 you know, percent. it's so like we see eye to eye on this more than you give ourselves credit for I yeah think. like granted we have different political views on how it should be done but we want yeah. the same goal mm-hmm. and it's I wanna, like i want to give you know good working honest people like a really the opportunity good existence to, i want yeah like i want to give you know like honest people and like people that are willing to really put themselves out there mm-hmm. i want to show them that like your if you your work hard, hard and you dedication succeed. you will succeed and i want mm-hmm. them to be guaranteed that like, and i want to watch every single employee that we have and i want to reward them based upon you know their hard work and what yeah exactly done. and it's like not just rewarding them because they're a part of the company like no you have to no. put in the work but you will see our gratitude and you know your livelihood improve like absolutely you know and and it's one of those things like, you know, it's all about just having a mutual respect for, you know, the working man and, you know, Absolutely. realizing that we're all just people trying to, you know, work through our lives. And, you know, it's like, you know, we can't do anything wrong with that. Like, it'll be, it'll be good. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, we'll, exactly. And that's everything that I've ever wanted to do. I mean, that's how I want to help people. And, you know, I want to help people by the message <laughs> of what we're doing by virtue of, you know everything that we stand for i feel like exactly. you know that can make a difference and it has in people's lives and i want to continue that and have so, a strong like you know will and drive to absolutely you know, do our thing and 
whatnot, yeah so but wow what a what a great rant yeah exactly yeah like, so you know that's good it's like and i will say this um like within so like as of recent because like i've kind of looked into the government and looked into like you know, kind of what jobs they've had it's really really stringent and it's yeah. really really like that's the thing i could like never work for the government no <laughs> no no i don't to be honest i don't think either of us could no no because no one want process, to. no because the process that you have to go through the fact that they basically don't strip your freedoms of doing what you want to do but you are very very limited and where you mm-hmm. can go and who you can talk to and what you can do. and i i just i'm not i'm not gonna do that i'm not about that I'm it's like that. the fact that like you know like the fact that there's some people i know that like literally can't date certain people because otherwise the government's gonna be like nope can't give you a job because they're you know a foreign enemy or whatever it's like that's not okay. i'm like what the fuck man like the government's so backwards dude it is like and it's you know and bureaucracy is some bullshit bro because like yeah college you know, is bureaucracy it's basically is and it's well, like and i can't stand for that bro yeah and it's like the individual like people know how to make it work and like amen you know and it's like you know as a collective force like if you were to have a collective force as people and you know you put us together and we can all work together towards a common goal we can succeed but we cannot rely on the government because truthfully they don't want us to succeed but that's what the government is at the end of the day is a group of people getting together who we've elected yeah which by the people for the people but they've become their own people that is true like we're not they it's it's you know the, the entire process of electing these people these days has gone completely into shitter but it's it's not what it's supposed to be it's not it's, what it no, should be not. and it's but it's we the people the American you know dream we that give they prompt- it and we give and we take it away at the end of the day if we really yeah, if, that's if the thing. we it's as up society, to society it's up to the people to achieve mm-hmm. that dream like that's the thing the government that's the thing i don't think the government really believes in the american dream they want to create no. factory workers due to the fact that our school system was based off of we haven't changed it that much from when the 1800s when the second industrial revolution came that's out. crazy they it designed creates our schools it creates workers they it fails entrepreneurs know, exactly every day. that's the thing too so like when people talk about the american dream that's not the government saying that no it's, it's not individual people trying mm-hmm. to proprietate that dream and, and i had a lot of confusion about that because yeah. for a long time i thought okay the american dream is bullshit because it's proprietated by the government but then I realized that it's so much more than that. And it's actually by the people and for the people. Like that's what that, that's, what that's what that means is that the American dream is by the working people and for the working people. It's not by those fucking suited up assholes that claim they want to protect us. That's right. Yet they put a gun into our hands when we're 18, yet they don't allow us to drink. That's so they true. allow They expect us to go over to another country, kill one of my human brothers that I have never ever met that i have no conflict with they instill the conflict in our head to That's make true. us hate them but in reality we're all human beings at the end of the day mm-hmm. and we don't want to kill each other you know it's like and that's the thing too people that work in the government and see that they don't have to worry about going off to war they don't have to worry about you know like me and you we could very well get drafted and get sent to a country and forced to kill people that's true people in the government do they don't do that they don't exactly. go over there they don't see the horrors of war they don't see the now, um the, the amount, fallout 
they don't see the fallout yeah. of their consequences. The percentage of people who have government jobs is very slim compared to the rest of the population. So you got to keep yeah. that in mind too. Yeah. Which is, you know, and, and you, you raise like every concern I've ever had, which is like the school system. I mean, a, it fails people like us it's every bullshit. single day. It is, it's so com- bullshit. is complete bullshit. Anybody who's in it can tell you that it creates one thing and that's a really good worker. But at the end of the sorry, there's a lot of wind I'm outside. Um, but at the end of the day, like that's not going to, that's only going to get you so far. And that's only going to get you a job working for somebody else. Who's going to tell you more of what to do, you know, and who's not going to, not going to let you, exactly. you know, it's just going to be a nine freely. to five for the rest of your life. And yeah. you need to think freely exactly. in order to succeed in the world. And nobody can mm-hmm. teach you that in school. They don't teach you that in school. All they teach you is, Oh, do this, do that and do this. They don't teach you how to boom. think in school. No, they don't they teach you how to follow instructions. Amen, brother. Amen. And that's everything I've ever said. That's everything I've ever felt. I wrote a four page philosophy paper yesterday on this, on this exact subject. Because I and cannot stand it. Philosophy isn't supposed to be following instructions. It's the nope. It's the idea of having free ideas and free will to think what you want to think. Philosophy should not be scrutinized into a fucking degree. And there's always a right question on the test, answer on the test, and I never get it right. Yeah. So you know, in philosophy, Cause, cause there it's up is to my no interpretation. Like, it's interpretation. There is no right answer. Like okay, you can't, well, bullshit for that. You can, anyway. you can teach philosophy, but you can't say you teachers in colleges do not have the authority to say what is right and what is not. Exactly. Obviously, individual people can feel like okay, like you could you could claim that like racism and like racial supremacy is a philosophy in and of itself, which is it is. It's both you know a human well, racism and is taught taught, and it's a you know it's a you know political philosophy and also just the personal it's philosophy. an ideology it's an ideology and that's up to interpretation but you know you go to the other side of that and you just go with like you know greek philosophy or you go with you know modern day philosophy that is like take you know like jordan peterson for example oh i love what jordan he peterson. says what he says is in fact it is his interpretation and mm-hmm. people follow that but truthfully at the end of the day it is up to your interpretation whether or not you want to believe that and teaching philosophy and making it into a test is not the right way to do it. No, it's not. How do you, how do you feel about Jordan Peterson? Because I really, really like so him. So I, I can find him to be a bit cynical, but he is a very wise guy. And I actually watched an interview with him where, like, you know, the interview was like, like, how are you, Jordan? Like, asking, like, him how he is in his personal Right. Life. And it's really, really sad I've because, like, because this guy has so much emotion and gives so much wisdom out. Yeah. And it takes so much scrutiny. But it's like he's also a human being and it's like Mm -hmm. and i can respect that i can respect the fact that he remains so steadfast in his beliefs and he stands by them and he has such a solid ground that is amazing yeah and it's like you know he you know he's a solid dude like he i think he's he's very wise he's a very wise Mm -hmm. man too have you seen his lectures i've seen a couple of them yeah yeah it's like you know or like when he gets emotional he's able to keep his intellect and emotions separate yeah you know, which a ton of people, like a majority of people can't do. Mm-hmm. That's a really admirable thing. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, I strive for that, but, you know, I don't always do so well with that. And that's I do decently. Yeah, I mean, I think of myself as naturally a passionate person. And, oh, you are. And that's you know, what makes you like, special. You know, and, and it's like, in my, like, you know, in like my, my emotions are very much tied to, you know, my, my passion. And it's like, 
you know, in my intellect, you know, and I'm not saying I'm not the most intellectual person, in the world, <laughs> but like when I have intellectual thought, it's like there is emotion behind it. It's oh, not course. just attached from what I see around me and there's no, right. you know, emotion behind it. It's You're like, absolutely right. That's that's and it's so like, true. I don't want to change that, but I do want to get better. I do want to get better with certain things that like being able to, you know, keep my, you know, the thoughts I have in my head separate from what I feel in my heart. Right. Yeah. I mean, so that that's honestly that strikes a core with me, too, because I constantly because, you know, you got your heart and you got your mind and sometimes you have to know the right path to take and you have to know that that's what yeah. you just have to do um and your heart can distract you from that but at the same time your heart can show you the right path the heart <laughs> your heart can guide you in ways that your mind cannot and it exactly. can tell you things that your mind cannot exactly. and the balance between listening to your heart and your mind is it's a balance that you know everybody struggles to to perfect and to get to and i, I by no means am perfect by that um exactly and I, yeah, I, I struggle with that daily, but I mean, that's, yeah, that's a huge thing. But along with, uh, as with like Jordan Peterson, I think he is an Im incredibly smart man who questions, who he asks questions that nobody's going to ask. And he raises concerns about things that nobody else is going to raise concerns about because he knows that you know, yeah. there's a different way he is the definition of a free thinker in my opinion he's the yeah. definition of somebody who wants you know society to he, he's very pro society he's very pro human yeah, he's yeah. very pro like you know living an awesome you know life and uh, gosh, everything in life and all yeah, that, everything yeah. that he says just is is it, it strikes such a core with me because i'm like this is what i've always felt and known to be true you know and he puts it into words but um and he's helped me come to he's helped me you know think of my own philosophies on things and he's helped me to you know develop um you know philosophically in a lot of ways but yeah i mean i, I like yeah. yeah exactly like <laughs> speaking of philosophers you know it's some people you know who some people call a philosopher who goddamn joe rogan <laughs> I mean, I love Joe Rogan too. Like, so. and, and that's the thing too is it's like it's kind of funny how like, you know, you kind of see like in American society how, like, we put such an emphasis on like you know men like Jordan Peterson who are very intellectual mm -hmm. and very like they know what they're talking about. But then on the other end, we make celebrities into philosophers and we make them like basically. Gurus. That's so true. That's so true. So like, you know, I was thinking about this, and it's like. Do you have anyone in your life that's not like Jordan Peterson, but is like a Joe, not like a Joe Rogan type, but that sort of person that like people put on a pedestal and make, you know, follow his philosophy and really take seriously what he has to say. Oh, God. Even um, though stereotypically, you know, people like that don't have somebody who I know. So, well, just someone that like you follow. Like it doesn't have to be somebody you know oh, personally, but just people. Right. Jimmy Buffett speaks the gospel, and nobody can change my mind on that. Uh, I mean, all of his words, if you really think about them and if you really apply them to your own life, it's like looking in the mirror. And it it it, it it's been really, really helpful to me over the course of many years. Yeah. Um, so I listen to his music and I do take it somewhat as gospel because well, it is to me. I mean, how do you think you feel about Dylan? Exactly. So you know. Yeah, I mean, like I, I get what you mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, maybe okay, one day. Yeah. So I, I guess what I was trying to ask is like, 
someone who because you could you could see them as like poets you could see them as like you know what's fucked up what people and i do not say this to sound like some narcissistic ass clown yeah but i'm just being completely honest when i say this and i i'm kind of i don't know what to think of it i don't know how to how to be about it but people say that about me a lot like it's consistent amongst almost everybody i meet and i talk to that That it's evidently clear that i'm some sort of freaking magic man of some sort i don't even know i don't know how to feel about it i don't know what to do with it the way okay so i i thought about that a little while ago and it's like you know people like flock you know like the people around you especially at school like how they you know not flock around you but they like surround them you know they are around you and they like really like you know see you to be this like great person i think honestly where that comes from is the fact that like you know what like people like you propriety is just maturity and like getting not getting ahead in life but like you don't want to have to deal with like the typical youthful bullshit of like i've never liked it yeah you never liked it and it's like you know other people you know see that see that you don't do that and they want to be like that yet they still indulge in that themselves and they have i think the way they see it is they have a sense of fulfillment in knowing that like oh if i know this person then i'm good Right, and and, it, and not really applying it to themselves. Well, you'd be surprised how many do. I mean, like a lot of people have said that I've changed their lives, and I don't know what, what to think about that. I don't know how to take it, you know. And yeah, it's, it's like you didn't, and, and not it's not just goal. a coincidence. It's not my goal. I just, I just talk, you know, whatever comes what off my dome, you know, and I, I, you know, might help them out with the situation, or I might, you know be a be a good friend and listen and and offer my well, advice I think it's, and, the, it's the lack of honest uh, it i don't know how to take well, it i mean i think the, the problem with our yeah and, and the, i think the problem with our generation and you hear a lot of people talk about this is how ungenuine and how like untrue well i guess that's just saying the same thing twice but like how ungenuine people can be nowadays for real and how there's always like kind of a double motive for like why they're helping you or mm-hmm. oh they're trying to get something out of you or oh they're just saying this to appeal to you in the moment and then it's like you know and it's like you don't really do that you just keep things straight up well and, i'm genuine i mean that's yeah and it's like you don't really bullshit people and it's like you you bring about like a sense of just honesty whether it's something people are they want to hear or not you will always not bullshit them and you're just straight and that that's that's so true of course i don't know again and i don't people know. like being around that and, and taking that in but they don't want to bring it put it out themselves that's true um but it leaves me alone a lot you know what i mean yeah because it kind of makes me feel like oh i'm just it gives you a dude. sense of loneliness yeah knowing that i'm not well that i'm kind of alone in that way and to a lot of i mean sometimes it kind of sucks you hey, know no it, it sounds like it would suck because it's lonely because well, it's, wanna, it's a lonely existence and then yeah because it's like you you want to find people that like you know you like, surround yourself with and you know are going to be genuine and good people instead it sounds like you have a bunch of people that recognize the fact that you're honest and good 
but they don't themselves actually want to do that with themselves. They feel the they get their fulfillment. They get their not wholesome fulfillment, but they like get their good factors out of the way with you, and then they can still not feel as bad about themselves indulging in pettiness and whatnot. Well, perhaps um, that's just how I see. It. I mean, granted, this isn't fact or anything. This is just how I right. Oh, I see. And I know that a lot of people have told me that I've made such a difference in their lives that they've changed around their point of view, their mindset, you know, that they've quit doing some things, you know, that they've, you know, had a completely different outlook on life. And it's not just one person. I could yeah. point probably a dozen at least. And I don't know quite how to take that sometimes because I feel a little overwhelmed thinking, Oh my God, did I really just have that much of an impact by just being who I am and saying the, the truth or yeah. just helping them out with whatever I could do. I mean, that it's just, it seems it's a lot to, it's a lot to, to, to take in. Honestly, yeah, it's like, you know, and, and know this, if it's not your burden to bear, like oh, my, you know, you, I tend to make it my burden to bear, which is my problem. Yeah, which I feel like, you know, if you were to, like, balance it out and realize, like, okay, you, you know, kind of sorting through the people that, like, you know, can change for the better and improve themselves and become people that you really want to spend time with, as opposed to people that just, you know, like the fact of what you're saying, but don't actually apply any of the advice that they ask or anything. Right. Like yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um. And I, I see that a lot. I mean, some dude like last week asked me if I was like a psychologist or whatever. And I'm like, no, nah, dude, I'm a failing marine science major. <laughs> You're just uh, a dude that likes to ride waves. Pretty much. I'm just a surfer, dude, at the end of the day. And I always tell people that and they're like, what, you're so much more? And I'm like, but what? No, I don't understand. Well, don't try to make me more because then that's. Yeah, don't try because then you're going to be disappointed. You know exactly. Uh, Bob Dylan actually said that exact said something very very similar to that. Don't put me on a pedestal because I might just let you down. That's exactly what people do. They always put people on pedestals. I don't like to be put on a pedestal because I'm not perfect. And everybody, you know, I'm I'm literally I will always admit to not being perfect. I'm never perfect, you know. And I always have my my set of issues, my insecurities, my yeah, you know, like my human. own downfalls as a person, and I'll never know the right answer. Yet people project upon me this kind of sense of like, you do have all the answers. You are this amazing type of god almost, and I'm like, that's not what I like. Like, don't put that on me, dude. I'm just, yeah, I'm like just a surfer who loves I'm to. I'm just trying to live my life. I'm just trying to live my life. I'm just trying to do good by the people around me. I'm just trying to, you know, be successful in my own way. I'm just trying to, you know bring people up around me in whatever way I can, but I don't want to have to be burdened by all of that because it certainly is the case that I am burdened by a lot of things from other people that, you know, maybe I shouldn't be. And it, it, it weighs on you in ways that, you know, a lot of folks wouldn't understand, but exactly, I don't know, man, it's, it's a lot. And I get overwhelmed sometimes by it. Cause I'm like, fuck hell. Like, I just want to, just want to take a nice That's walk cool. without thinking about all this and having this on my mind, you know? Yeah. You got to balance it out. Yeah, I need I I don't know how to I mean, do I just offer people bad advice and dip? I mean, I'm not going to that's not well, in don't my do that. I it's mean, not that's, my character. Like no, I couldn't like, do that. But it's no, a predi it's a predicament of sorts. Yeah, they, I feel like if you were to make it clear to them like hey, this is like what I am and who I am, don't try to like expect anything else out of me like and they don't yeah. think you can go wrong because I think as long as like and even when I show people, as long as I'm, you humble people and know like, hey, I'm not Jesus, like 
Bruh, I need to do that pronto. Like, uh, it's I don't I don't like being seen in that sort of like on the pedestal. I don't like it. I don't like yeah. it. So don't put me on it. But I got to get rolling. Uh, I got class in a bit. In my dear, I'm thinking. But uh, any uh, closing right. statements? Uh, I mean, that was a really, really nice uh, conversation, especially towards the end. That, that was that was a solid conversation, man. I was yeah, and uh, we could have gone on, um, I'm sure, but oh yeah, but you got to get that's class uh, that's Friday. I got to get some that, that's Friday's episode. Yeah. Right on, man. Yeah. All right. Are we doing the meeting uh, this Friday? We is that can. next week? Well, it's technically next week, but oh, well, um, next week. Okay, next week. Yeah, yeah. We'll I've already done. I've already done all of the things that we outlined for me. At yeah. Least so, like with the cover letter, um, the cover letters are getting there. Like okay. they'll be done by no later than probably early next week. Okay. Um, yeah, because I, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. Yeah, because like, I want to get that done so that yeah. way, because I, I have other stuff I have to do. I've, I'm yeah. collecting a list for next business meeting for okay. things that we need to, that we should look into, that we should do. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, promoting more, like putting a little bit more money in Instagram and yeah, getting and other stuff. Other done. things. And... Yeah, we'll, we'll get that done. All right, cool. Well, in any case, uh, thank you all for listening to um, this historical episode going you know kicking it back to the old school days when we used to do topics and we're bringing it back yeah, yeah um, and we evolved into a really good conversation it did it did and that's where just where it goes but yeah in any case thank y'all for listening to the musings of men podcast hit us up on instagram at the musings of men and um shoot us an email at the musings of men all lowercase at gmail.com um until next time stay stoked be good my people later see ya mm-hmm.